Hi everyone and welcome to episode 19 of the Judo Talk podcast. Judo Talk. Hey everyone, uh, so I want to start actually a quick apology for last week, anybody who tried tuning into the podcast last week right at the beginning, um, something went wrong, I uploaded it and yeah, nobody could hear anything for the first hour, uh, no idea what happened, I'm still, <laughs> I, I do apologise for it to anybody who thinks that I actually know what I'm doing with this, so yeah, no idea, it didn't upload properly, I managed to fix it, so if you did try and listen to last week's podcast and couldn't because I'd messed something up, uh, that's on there now if you've not listened to it, and a big thank you for to Simon for agreeing to do that podcast with me. But I guess this week, yeah, I want to get started pretty quickly, I've got a great interview with Robert Eriksson, the national Swedish coach. Really, really interesting. I really enjoyed the the conversation, the discussion about... Yeah, it was just really insightful. I, and I think you guys are going to love this one as well. So I'm going to leave it there, let you guys get into it, and then I'll come back to you guys after, after the chat. So have a great one. Hi guys, welcome to this episode of Judo Talk and today my guest is Robert Erickson. Please say hello, Robert. Hi Wins, nice to be <laughs> here with you and uh, yeah, no, I'm excited. Good, no, I, to be honest, I want, firstly I want to say thank you for giving up your time. I know it's a really busy period uh, for you guys and also I want to say congratulations, well done for the World Championships. Yeah, thank you a lot Wins, yeah, it was a great World Championships for us and I'm I'm really happy with the results we did for, for of course, for Tommy and uh, for Marcus. And also overall, we like we, everybody won fights. We had uh, plenty of fights yeah. and a lot of good experience to bring with us for the summer. So it was good in many ways. It's difficult, isn't it? Because we, we see some amazing results from you guys, but that doesn't come from this last year, does it? This comes from years of hard work, years and years, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. This is... Like this team, they, they have they have been uh, some of them been more or less on the circuit since almost ten years now. Like wow. for Marcus, for example, he's been did his first Grand Prix two thousand ten, yeah, uh, in uh, in uh, Rotterdam, I think it was this, mm. this time. And uh, been working so hard for so many years. Like of course, everybody does. Everybody does on on the, the circuit and on the in different ways, but. You, from us, from where we come from, it, it's a little bit different. You know, we come from a small nation. We don't have so many training partners. Um, and it's not been easy from the beginning you know, to build build a, to build a national team with everything. Not, not only the, the judo. Of course, the judo is uh, the most important part. But it doesn't help if you have a great athlete with great judo if you don't have the possibility to prepare or possibility to go out and, and show it. So for me, it's been a long, long work with uh, how to build a structure, how to build an organization, how to get the fundings. You know, mm. this costs a lot of money. Yeah. And on the parallel with that, we're working with the athletes how to how to bring them up. So it, it's been a, a long and consistent work for for over ten years before we finally reached this. And what I suppose it's a really big question, but what does that process say? Let's go back to ten years ago, where when you guys, let's say, were, were starting the journey. What yeah. was it like then 
to how it is now? Like, what's what have you implemented along the way? A lot. I would say this. This started even earlier. You know, I started as a national coach in in uh, two thousand four. Wow! Uh, right after the Athens Olympics. Uh, before that, I was an athlete by myself. I tried for two cycles for for Sydney and for for Athens. Uh, I had a close shot for Sydney, but for Athens, I was never close. To, like I had, I was over the top <laughs> to say as an athlete. Like I mean, my injuries and motivation dragged me down, and I started to get uh, interested in coaching. So I get into coaching and I started to uh, one thing led to another and suddenly I was national coach. This was not planned for me, but it, it happened. And, and right away, the process started, like, how, how can I create something we don't have? Because in this time in Sweden, it was, it was not bad. Like we had good players. We had some good players. We had some good coaches, but, the, but it was no, um, how do you say, there was no, no structure, no function. Like it was... Uh, Somebody did this, somebody did that, everybody did by themselves. And it, like it was uh, a little bit chaos, I would say. So, so this I started to try to change. And, and of course, in the beginning, I had no experience. I was not, a, I had been working a couple of years as a coach on the side and helped out a little bit. But for this big responsibility, I did not have the experience. Of course not. I had people who helped me, but in the end, it was me. So... I had a couple of rough years, I would say, where, where I had to try an error, a lot of errors, and uh, try to also to convince people to 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 believe in me, like mm. to support us. You know, the Olympic Committee, the sport federations, all the coach coaches in Sweden, like they had to support me and the national team. In this How process. was that for you? Like, where because obviously you come into it and you said you, you made a few mis- mistakes you didn't have that experience that takes a lot of courage really as a coach to still stand there and go well i'm i'm committed to yeah this. yeah but in this time like i was quite young you know i was 28 29 or, and this this uh, you don't think in that way you know it's like when you're young and an athlete you don't think you just you act you think you know everything you just do <laughs> Of course, I, I realized that there, there was a lot to do, but, but uh, it, it, it uh, somehow my belief was so strong. And honestly, like a lot of the things I did then, like the thinking of my, the, the ground thinking, how, how, how I think, how I want things to be, is not that different. It's not that different. Okay, maybe some methods changed and uh, things changed a lot, but the philosophy is more or less the same, I would say. And I went the first time to, to Rotterdam European Championships 2005. This was my f- first big uh, championship as a coach. I think I bring seven athletes to Rotterdam. Everybody lose the first round. Mm. Not one single fight we win. And uh, <laughs> this was a rough start. You know? This was a rough start. Welcome uh, to try to call it. Yeah, yeah, we tried to qualify some the cycle for... But then we had some results. We had some... Uh, seventh place in European Championships one or two years after. We have some medals in the World Cups at that time. We had some girls who was quite successful. But they were also in the like in the end of their career. Mm. You know, they've been around for a while and they also they start to have some problems with injuries and so on. So then we realized, okay, we must have to start with a new new generation, with new kids, with new new athletes. And it was me and my colleague at that time was called Jacob Renius. He was a, a very good coach. He worked he worked mainly with the Cadetan juniors, and I work with the seniors. And then we work and we start to work together in a good way. And we were good. Uh, like he's very 
he's a great coach like he, to work with person like face to face with athletes he was he's a fantastic you know we can he can make them feel good he can make everything good and i was more the brain behind <laughs> like with the planning with how to organize the everything and how to bring in the money and uh, so we, we were a very good match so together we, we bring up this new generation with, with uh, Marcus and everybody. We have also before Martin Pacek, maybe you remember, he was yeah. uh, many time Grand Prix and Grand Slam medalist. He was also one of the first I started to work with and him, him I started to work as a personal coach with quite early. Like he moved here to my hometown and I worked with him on a daily basis for a couple of years. And, uh, Slowly, slowly, we started, you know, we started to move something. This generation, they started to win medals. We started to uh, uh, make good results in European Cups with juniors and the 23 European Championships. And then Marcus was European champion for juniors. And slowly, slowly, around 2006, 2007, 2008, this group started to develop. Yeah. Uh, then realized, okay, the rest, okay, we keep some, we try some, but... It's not realistic. We see what we can do for them, but we try to really push this group. So when you, um, I just want to take it back a little bit. When you were with yeah. that group in its infancy, like when it was just starting yeah. out, what were you looking for as a team, like working with your your other coach? Like, yeah. was it pure judo? Was it dedication? What? How were you sort of trying to, to find these athletes? I, I was looking for athletes that course they were that wanted to work harder to motivate it but this everybody is in the beginning it is you mm. don't know for sure but the ones who are independent like no matter if i'm there or not or some other coach are there or not they still do the job if i tell them you do this and this and and they do it and i can trust them that they do it this kind of athletes we were looking for and we were lucky to find a couple of them it was a big not big group but there were maybe five or six of them more or less, some change, some come, some go, of course, because different, this age group, you know, with around 18, a lot happens, you know, in the life. Yeah. Some, some want to be super, someone go in a high education or someone to do something else. Of course, this, this happens, but, but, but um, more or less, this, this group created an atmosphere. Like we, we, we do this together, we train hard, we work hard, and we also go to competition to win. Not just to go to participate. This was like in my time. It was more about participate. Because ah, you 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 gonna fight the Russians or you lost. Ah, it's okay. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Like this was what I was brought up with. So of course, when I go to a competition, I have to fight a Russian in the first round. I was already down. You know. Yeah. If I was lucky, I could win. But but there was more luck than it was uh, something else. And this we try to change a little bit, and we managed to change this with this group. They changed the mentality, and they was not only good in training; they was also starting to get good in competition. You know, in smaller tournament, but something bigger, bigger, and 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 this still goes on. This was the base that I think that we managed to build. You know, and, and it's hard to say exactly what happened when, because this was a process for maybe two, three, four years. But uh, this key group, this main group. Uh, stayed and it's still there it's still there marcus is still there uh, mm-hmm. uh, anna robin uh, tommy they came a little bit later but they still been implanted all the time uh, in the same mentality 
So when you now when we go to competition, it's no it's no discussion, you know. Even if we fight the Russian, the Japanese, Georgian, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's not the who we are fighting. Maybe it can be sometimes how they are fighting, you know, the yeah. style. This can be tricky for some. Okay, maybe some is like this or this, but this doesn't have with the nation they come from. It's individual basis, you know. Uh, and, yeah. And when you were when you were trying to change the culture, the mentality of the group. I'm guessing there's a couple of schools of thought, isn't there? There's there's one where you take them away and start trying to give them some wins, some evidence base, like maybe not as hard a tournaments, so it's, they actually get some. And the other is just keep throwing them in the deep end, keep literally go to camp, fight the Japanese, fight the Russians. So where did you fall in line? Was it a mixture, one or the other? Where did you sort of see it? In the beginning, I was a lot of this first, like. The, we, we try with smaller tournaments and build them and build them, but th this is not always the right way. I think, of course, they needed maybe the smaller tournaments sometimes to have the fights, you know, to get the, to get the. Uh, like you can do a lot of door as you want, but still, the competition is different. Well, you've if almost you got to, to learn the next round. Yeah, yeah. You? If you always if you always go to big competitions and lose first or second round, you never get these five or six fights. This mm. you need also for the development of the strength and conditioning and everything. So this you need. But in the end, even if you can develop good results in this lower level, it's still a gap. It's still a gap. And this, this you have to, to close. And I think you have to close it. First step with me was training camps, you know. We go to a lot of training camps. We went to all the training camps and we did so much randori. Unbelievable much randori. Now it's different because the group now they're almost 30. <laughs> they cannot do it. We have to change the mentality a little bit. They have to change the, the strategy, of course. But all uh, like all my planning, all my uh, thinking was that you know, at home, the only thing we do at home, we prepare them. So when we go to training camp, we can do as much randor as we can without getting injured, of course. But so we put, I pushed them so much, so much in randoris. So we go to this... Uh, European training camps, we stay two, three times a year in Japan, uh, three, four weeks every time. And also in Korea, we stay a lot. Just to get this uh, feeling that uh, I can, you know, I can throw them. I can do this. I can do this. And this we built. And then somehow we managed to, to transfer it to the competition. Slowly, slowly, you know, some make a good result. Like, it's a little bit different. Everybody are different. They react different. Some of them, they have a very good start from the beginning. Mm. So Marcus, he had a good start. He was a junior European champion. He was at a senior. He first, his first uh, European champion, shipy win. <laughs> he had European mm. champion. He had some medal in the World Cups and he qualified for London Olympics. Like he had a, some, it took a little bit longer time. They maybe they win some fights, fifth place, seventh place so on but still they hang in and they, they get the medals sooner or later and how do you keep those guys on task because obviously there is i'm guessing there's not a, an unlimited source of funding for you guys oh, so okay. so it's going to be hard for an athlete to keep that in mind like I, I did watch your interview with the rjf and obviously you said that um marcus was is an elevator engineer and yeah. you know and with the other guys do they have to get jobs how how do they keep keep that motivation to keep pushing through and not go uh, oh, i'm gonna go off and do just do my job yeah this is this is a little bit tricky part okay for this team the olympic team and uh, them around they, they have like a 
course, they have the funding, so you can do the training camp and competitions. Then they have like a private support from the Olympic Committee, but it's not much. But they can it helps them helps them a little bit with the, with the, with the private life. Some of them uh, work maybe part time, some periods or which some university. But like now, I would say everybody is full time, except Marcus. He's still working, but but but. Uh, they manage, but it's okay. It's, it's not a, it's not a perfect uh, situation. And for some people, of course, we lose some people on the way. This group they stay, but of course, we lose somebody because maybe some of them was not quite as successful. They were good, but maybe a little bit under this group. And for them, they did not manage because this, they don't get the same support. And then they have to maybe work ex- more and more and spend more time in school. And of course. When they finish school, they get a good chance for a good job, of course. Uh, they, yeah. they go maybe for that choice instead. So this is still a problem in, in uh, not only in Judaism, so this is like the, the, the system in Sweden. This is how it works. And, and, and it's um, it's okay for big sports, of course, no problem. They have a lot of sponsor money and everything. So, but for judo, wrestling, uh, like man, most of the sports, I would say, is, is on the same. You know, they, most of them, they combine. It is school, it is school. But then when they get older, they finish school, and then then it's then is the problem is you know. Yeah, and how do you, how does that affect you and your work? Knowing I'm guessing you at the start you said you were in charge of actually applying for funding and stuff. How does that end? Yeah. How much time are you having to take away from being on the map with everybody to actually work on making sure there's enough money to fund everybody to do the trips that you need to do? Uh, I would say I. I like uh, as a national coach, like my, my job is, I only, most of the time I only go on the tatami with them when we are in the training camps and competitions. Sometimes I go with them in Sweden, but but not so much. So the rest of the time is uh, for this, you know, to prepare administration, the logistic, uh, to keep the relations with the Olympic Committee, with the Sport Federation, with the national governments. Because uh, in Sweden it's very, uh, like everywhere, I guess, like it's a you must. You must present a lot of things, like the development plan, the the uh, development staircases, like papers like this, documents like this, and uh, all the planning and everything. This is a lot that we have to to show. And but during the years, uh, I build myself a good reputation together with the team, because the team de- delivered results. And then, of course, it was easier to, to show the okay, We do this. And we, we, we need this to do this. And when the result is coming, it's easy to get the fundings. Actually, right now, I would say judo is one of the most supported at, uh, sports in, in from the Olympic Committee wow. in, in terms of fundings. You know, they give us a lot of, because judo is expensive. First yeah. of all, like there's not so many sports that has our programs. In Sweden, we can compare it maybe to the winter sports, like the ski, uh, the cross-country skiing, the alpine skiing. They have like a circuit, you know, they go that is maybe seamless they also spend a lot of uh, days outside the country but you know many sports they have maybe some competitions they don't have training camps in the same way as we do like in judo and this is totally different and of course this this uh, requires more fundings but they understand it they are very understanding they also understand it takes time judo Mm -hmm. takes time a lot of time and uh, and they trust us so 
uh, thanks to them, we, we get a good support over years. And they they, uh, they trust me, and I'm happy for that. You know, without that, we would it would be very complicated for us. Yeah, and I guess they they trust you now, but maybe five eight years ago, when you you knew in your head you had this confidence that you could do this, was there a little bit more? You know, you had to fight a bit harder for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I would not say five seven years ago. Like back in uh, like 2005, 2006, 2007, this this first cycle, uh, I had to prove myself a lot. You know, then then it, then it was nothing clear. We had a lot. We did not have uh, absolutely not the same funding as now. Of mm. course not. And um, but also had a good relation to them because they also know me as an athlete. You know, as an athlete, even if I was not uh, close to be a world champion, I was still. Uh, like I did the job, I was very honest and I was very like, yeah, had a good relations to the most of the people. So they know me since before, like I was not a stranger to them. They just wanted me to, to uh, grow in, in the, in the position as, as a head coach. And also I spent some education. Also I was in Great Britain in Bath University for three years, 2006, mm. 2008. They actually paid my education to go there, the Olympic Committee. So they invested a lot in me as a coach. Yeah. And I have done all their, uh, like, they have this education system for all Olympic coaches. I've done it four times now. So, so uh, of course, they believed in me, but it's not enough with believe. You have to deliver, deliver something. And, and we started to deliver their, their results more and more. And the funding was coming, but, but still... We could have more because if you would have an Olympic medal before a world championship medal before, we would have maybe even better, of course, because all these fundings is also compared to the other sports in Sweden. Like you must see, for example, in winter sports, we are very successful. We have a lot of mm-hmm. Olympic medals, skiing, and, and to, to, to make competition with them is very difficult. But also, you this before, it's complex, it's a big, it's not many sports who have this. What was it now? And World Championships in Budapest is 120 nations, I think. That's yeah. more or less. And I think something about 30 nations were fighting for the medals. Like, it's not many sports you can do that. Not, it's not. Uh, it's a, it's a that is also sport. one of the best things about judo, though, isn't it, as well? Yeah. Like, when you think how sprinting or you know so many sports are just dominated and there isn't that competition element it's frustrating because we would like we would like to be able to predict it a little bit more but it's also the beauty as well isn't it yeah it's both it goes always the both ways but it's always a chance Hmm. there's always a chance and if there's a chance there's also a possibility to do something so that that is because if you only look on the paper what what is the chance that sweden we go against two japanese fighting the world championships and we win Hmm. In the paper, it should not happen. It should yeah. never happen, but it does. And not only for Sweden, for for everybody. Like this happens all the time in Europe because it's, this is the, the way it is. You can never underestimate underestimate anybody. And do you feel like after the medals in the World Championships, moving towards the Olympics, this fills you with a lot of confidence, or do you think now there's a little bit of expectation for Sweden to actually do something now? Both, of course, the, it gives an expectations, and uh, but also the world championship is one competition. The Olympics next is, is different. This is it's another competition. The, like the medal in the world don't don't help you in the Olympics, of course not. 
maybe the, the fights, do the experience can help you, the, the, the confident and some things that was good can help you. But uh, for Olympic Games, we have to prepare again. This is this is clear for everybody. This we cannot. Nothing is for free, you know. Especially especially not now. But somehow the timing was good, you know, because after this long qualification with the bonus year and everything, and it was a little bit rough for everybody, of course, and also for us, it was up and downs, and we did maybe not have uh, we had okay results during the last extra year, but it was not always great. We had some. Okay, Marcus was very good, but Tommy was a little bit uh, on and off. He did some good fights, but. Lose some semi-finals, you lose some bronze fights, and uh, you know. So somehow this conclude the cycle in a good, very good way for us. Mm. Also, not only for that, for those two, also for the other ones that they win some fights and do some good fights. This can conclude the qualification process good, and it gives us a good start for the now the final preparation for Olympics. So this this uh, point of view, I would say the timing was good. It's really interesting, actually, because you, you just said um, this was a bonus year for you. Is that how you guys have framed it and said, well, actually, we've had an extra year to, to get better? Uh, yeah, both. Uh, both. And like when this started, like everybody said, now we have an extra year. We can do more training. We can do more. this, But this, OK, this you can do, but not for our situation. It was not like that because most of them are going for the last Olympics. Mm. We don't know for sure, but probably because they're like they've been around for a long time. Their bodies are not uh, teenagers anymore; like they, they have their problems with injuries and so on. So it was also a little bit risky, you know. We cannot only push, push, push one more year because then we will break. Yeah, and we will not make it. So we had to find a good balance to keep uh, to keep the motivation up, but not to overload, you know, because it's easy. You know? Like okay, now I can do. Like many people do now, now we don't can do so much judo. We can do a lot of the physical work. Yes, but in, when you have some level, the more you load, does it mean the better you get? Mm. To find a good mix, but I think we did. We, we find a good mix and then we can slowly start it after a couple of months. We can go international again and starting with the training camps and so. So I think we manage it good and a lot because the, the mentality as the players are fantastic. You know, they, they are very relaxed. They don't get too stressed about the, the situation or the things that happens in general, in general, but especially now. Like they, they cope very good with this. Like normally, you know, like you have six months plan, you know, this weekend it's Paris, this weekend it's Düsseldorf, this weekend training camp in uh, Nuremberg, this is training camp in Japan, blah, blah, blah. But now we didn't know, you know, okay, now yeah. we have one training camp in Sweden, next week, maybe we go there, maybe we go there, maybe not. We go there, we go to some training camp, we have to go home because we cannot stay because of something happens or we have to cancel, like this happens all the time. Now it's better, now it's more stable. But they adapt very good, they adapt very good and... So I'm happy for that. This is not uh, for sure. And did you manage during during the last year? Did you manage to get the group together? Were, was there less restrictions in Sweden to, like, say for us in in Britain, only a very small group of people could do any sort of training? But that come a good few months after lockdowns. 
yeah, we, like we never had a real lockdown in Sweden. Uh, so, so this was not an issue. Of course, most of the clubs, they closed. Mm. The kids and everything, so they, they cannot do. But for our uh, the first team, they can do some trainings together. Um, some periods and not so much, but some more. But we could we could keep some kind of uh, uh, consistency in the, in the, in it, but not not as normal, of course not. But but I would say we we were quite lucky anyway if you compare to to the rest of the world. The only problem, like for us, is that we in normal cases we don't have that many tra- training partners at home. Mm. Like we are very depending on going outside. And this we could not do for for six eight months or whatever it was, and, and of course this was uh, maybe a little bit stress for me. Like how we will yeah. we react when we go again? Like if we will have a chance or not? Um, but it, it it was better than expected, so, so it was okay. Do you think if you were working with um, a less experienced group, so say maybe it was still this group of players, but five years earlier, it might have been slightly different. You know, as you said, you could reframe it and change the training for those guys because they had the experience. Do you think it would have been slightly different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it would be. It would be very much different. Like this we have now with the, with the other, like, okay, my main my main job is with this team, of course, but I am also responsible for the whole team, the whole national mm-hmm. team, cadet, junior, everybody. Uh, even if I'm not a coach for them, I'm still responsible for the organization and the structure for, for these groups. And, and here we had a problem, a big problem. Like, for example, still have for the cadets, we have, uh, we have not had the cadets for one and a half year now. Some, very, very few, because here, you know, you always come new. Here we bring the new people. We cannot bring new people because we cannot have training camps for this group. And for the young, older juniors and the young seniors, we we pushed them more with the physical training. Of course, we pushed them a lot. You know, we did some uh, challenges. Uh, we did some extra tests and like to give them some block periods. Like now we focus on this. We do tests and we focus on this for three months. Uh, yeah, two two eight ten weeks, and then we do next eight ten. Like we divided a little bit like this because they still have some motivations to do. Here we can see a good development. But uh, also for them, it's uh, the main concern was to get good training, sparring, of course. Yeah. And obviously, there, there's a hope that from the games, you're going to go have some great results. Uh, is your hope to turn that into a legacy to inspire the younger ones? How are you preparing? Because I'm guessing there's got to be an eye on bringing the next group through hasn't there how is that how how are you thinking about that we think a lot about that of course everybody does like that's just one of the hardest hardest thing with this job is like especially for me like i i i I, sometimes i have a hard time to to stay here and now like we have a good result, I'm, I'm still hard to appreciate it in a good way. Like, of course, I appreciate it. I'm happy, very happy. Of course, we have a result. But you, know, as a coach, you're always a couple of steps ahead. You're always thinking about the next, 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 and the, the next generations. You say, and how we prepare them? How can we do with them? And uh, of course, we have a program for them also. How we want to prepare them? What we want to do? And the only thing is different now is. Um, 
I cannot say 100% for sure that I will stay after the Olympic Games. Like my contract is finished after the Olympics and, and, uh, and where I am now, uh, I will not continue as a coach, as a national coach, for sure. This, uh, this is already cleared. Uh, if I have another position or not, it's, it's not uh, decided yet. Mm-hmm. Um, before it was not the case because then I know I will continue. I will try to develop something. And uh, so now I put more focus on the... Uh, and this group uh, and and I try to prepare the under coaches to help them to 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 work with the next generation because for now uh, even how it goes in olympics we're still going to have to start again a little bit because we're going to start again with a new generation and this is going to take some time uh, my original plan uh, the tokyo games was supposed to be the restart like we have a bones game in uh, because after Rio, we had a quite uh, experienced team. I thought most of them will retire and we start with the new generation. And maybe one or two we qualify for, for Tokyo and then we go for Paris. Mm. But as everything turned out, most of them stayed. Everybody stayed more or less. Some retired, um, some new come. So this, uh, and also we lose some younger athletes that, that we were hoping for. They retired for different reasons. So, so so now it will be a little bit, uh, you say, post- postponed. So like for, for us now, we put everything in for, for Tokyo, uh, no matter what result or not. But And then we will start for, for the next cycle uh, with aiming for 28, I would say. Like this is the, the main target for that group. If we do some qualifications and okay for, for, for Paris, it's a bonus. But we don't, this is not what we expect. Maybe if one of these... From this team stay, you will see. Maybe Tommy or somebody will stay. This is not mm. decided yet. And what do you think, Sweden? If you were to, what is your philosophy on judo when it comes to how you fight, the beliefs in how you produce a player? Like, what what are your core values around developing a judo player? I would say. Okay, this is a little bit different uh, between like where they are in the in the but I always try to find you know what are the strengths you know what 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 are the best at what can they what can they score for me it's important they can score something Nevasa Tachivasa they have something to score with and develop around that and try to build the 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 kumikata the everything around around this this is one thing about the judo and the second is that you need uh, to have, how do you say it, like the, the strength and conditioning, everything, the tactics, it has to be built together, like it has to work together. Mm. If you have a very offensive judo style, of course, you need a, you need also a strength and conditioning plan to, to support that. This is not always the case. It's, maybe it sounds logical that most people have, but it's not always clear, you know, the, the Especially not here, you know. We have we have uh, many athletes when they are coming to us in national team. They, they've never done anything. You know, they've done judo training a couple of times a week. That's it. So this is first step, you know, to, to see where how the judo is. What can we develop? What what is the strong parts? Of course, also the weak parts. But but first of all, the strong parts. And what do they need uh, to take the next step to reach international level? Like, I think in my some people can think sometimes I'm maybe not so positive. 
think ah, you're a little bit too negative. And, but it's not because I think in a different way. I think I think always when I see somebody that is good, I always think, why are they not better? Mm. Why are they not performing more? Because what, what are they missing? And I always find, try to find that, you know. And some people can see, most of them, they see some athletes, they're fantastic. You know, you can go in here, where many clubs in Sweden, you, can, you have athletes that they have good judo. You know, they can move good. They can, uh, they have a good feeling. And, but they don't perform. But most of the coaches maybe don't see that because they see only this, oh, they have a fantastic throwing ability. Yes, but every throw he does or she does is in the same direction. It's the same, everything is the same. Somebody breaks this right arm, they can do nothing. Mm. They can do absolutely nothing. And they go international, they fight some physical strong uh, opponent and they can do nothing. Then they come home, oh, it was bad luck, blah, 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 whatever, you know. And, but for me, I don't ever think in that way. I think it's opposite. You know, I see some very good talented athletes. I say, okay, what can we do? Okay, we can give them this plan and we can give them this, uh, this uh, advice. Uh, work with this and this to get better not not to to because uh, nobody will get like how can I say it and we, we get a lot of uh, champions in training you know yeah. this, this is quite common I think it's everywhere everywhere you see mm. I mean, they are champion in training but what, again they don't have the strength and conditioning they don't have the mentally uh, balance to, to do it in competition and then it doesn't it doesn't matter, you know, how nice judo you have. Okay, I can say the Swedish team maybe not have the nicest judo. Of course not. Uh, this, this I'm very well uh, aware of. But what they have, they can use. Mm. They can use it. And of course, maybe if they had maybe even better technical skills, it would be even better, hopefully. But, but this we have to work with in the future for the next generation to be, do that even better. But... but I me, mean, it's important that what they have, they can use. You know, when they fight in Randorium, when they fight in competition, the level is similar. Sometimes, sometimes somebody do very good Randorium, but the competition they fight not not even the same. Yeah, this is also something I work a lot with. You know, okay, this you do in competition, but in training you do this. Why? This is not possible. You know, if you do right to Chimata in competition, you cannot do left Sionage in training. Like you have to, <laughs> you have to train. What you use in competition, not the opposite. You know. Uh, so this is like mainly my, my my what I think is important as as in a, in a player, you know, that they have a, a you say a, a philosophy that they know what to do, how to make the kumikata, what they want to reach, what 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 they want to do. Mm. They want to do sumigeshi or they want to do uh, whatever it is. Okay, then we have to build against this, you know. But you have the Kumikata for this, and also that you can fight, um, fight, use this against the, all the styles, you know, Japanese style, the Russian, Eastern European style, etc. You know. So I guess a lot of it as well um, is a mindset and ability to to learn the game and be. I'm guessing have the self-awareness to understand that actually you are quite good here, but to, yeah. to actually progress, we need to take it to the next level. It was funny when, uh, when I interviewed Travis Stevens, actually he said something that me and a few other coaches have talked about. And he said about creating students of the game. 
you know it, it really resonated with me the, the thought process of actually there's so many good judo players that can stand on and do judo but sometimes our lack of understanding of the sport and like you said they might be able to do everything like right-handed but the second the arm gets taken off they can't do judo because they don't understand the game of judo enough no 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 that, that's of course you must understand the game and you must understand your game mm. like how is how am i working what 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 do I really need to, to be, for example, with Marcus? He needs a really strong arm in the, right, in the neck. His right arm has to be strong. It has to be able to come there, no matter what, who is fighting. Otherwise, he cannot do what he do. Or with Anna Bernholm, like she's left-handed, like her left arm. She has to have the kumikata. She has and she, she must understand that, that that is what she's going to do. Now it's clear. Now it is Now it's no problem, but... Ten years ago, it was not clear. It was not clear at all. Like they didn't know, you know what? They, they, they did stuff, but it was like uh, it was a surprise. You know, every time you go to the competition, it was a surprise. What will happen now? Maybe this, maybe this, maybe that, and, and, and this. Uh, this I don't like. You know, you need this. Uh, you need uh, maybe sometimes boring, but you need you need uh, as you say, you need to understand what you. Yeah, you need to understand what you what you need. And how to get there, and you have to do it all the time to get stronger at it. Because if you want to have this uh, strong right arm, and every time you go in Randori and somebody take it down from you, and you're satisfied with that, and you try to find some other solution all the time, then you will never get good at it. And you have to fight again to get the arm up. You have to, to fight the Kumikata. To, in the end, you can get it there, and more and more time you can keep it there, and then then you're there. Then you can start doing your things. But many people don't have the patience, you know, they, they, they try to find 10, 10 different solutions instead of uh, finding uh, one good way. And okay, for some it can work, maybe if you're a very technical player and you're very experienced, maybe that can work. But for most, I would say it doesn't, you know, you, you, need, you need to be constant, what do you say, Con to do it all the time and you need to, to not give up on, on the... the destruction how you how you want to do to do the judo so this i think is uh, what we put a lot of you know, do as i told you before we, we went to a lot of training camps we do a lot of randori and all the, or more or less i wanted them to do is to keep the line you know to always yeah. keep the line in the randoris even if they're tired they still have to keep the line of course we are still everybody's human they get tired you make mistakes this still happens for everybody but as more randoris you can do close to your maximum, the better you, you will be. But if you do a lot of randoris and you always give up, you do something else, then, then it's, uh, don't, you don't get better. Yeah, I think that's really important, actually. I think I speak to lots of, lots of judo coaches, but judo players and people who like, like judo. And I almost feel like many people live in this judo utopia, this belief that... Yeah everybody on the work like everybody who does judo at an elite level are able to do judo like iliadis like craig fallon like you know like a new like these super judoka like and they almost yeah. think that's the level which it really isn't you know there are no. a few people who do judo like that and then yeah. the rest are really good judo players but they're really consistent and effective at what they do yeah, yeah, this is this is also interesting because this, we also talk a lot about uh, when I talk in Sweden and uh, how to build something. We, we cannot only look at the best, best. 
Because this is many times the exceptional people, Teddy Riner, Iliadis, as you say, and many others, they're, they're exceptional. Like they, they are, you can put them wherever you want. You can put them in NBA, they will be superstars for sure. Like it doesn't matter. You have to look these ones, of course, you have to look at them, what they do, but the one under, the ones are a little bit under. Here we have to see what the people doing here. What what demands do it take? Like, what are they doing? For example, I have to present a lot. Like, what what is the world elite doing? Like, how do you get best in the world? Like, what are they doing? How much money competitions do they do? How much training do they do? You know, this this information is not, of course, not easy to to get all the time. But what many do, they, they only look, as you say, on, on the on the on the, the absolute absolute best all the time and. Sometimes, sometimes this can be misleading. Like mm. not everybody can fight like that. We have to see a little bit down. Okay, this is the main group. They do like this. Okay, we get close to that. Then, of course, you always have special individuals who adapt different. But, but as a, as a group or as a nation, this is what we have to aim for. Not we cannot have a, a prepare athletes in Sweden to beat Adirne. <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible, and in so many ways. But we can prepare them to be like the average French player or the average German player or whatever, like these demands, these physical demands, these technical demands, this we have to know about. These Kumikata strategies we have to know about and so on. This we can do. We can mm. see what the most common techniques are. We can see the most common strategies are. And this we can work towards. Then we find, of course, our own style and our own adaptions later on. But and uh, this is important because also now we have this. <laughs> this, uh, this was not the case earlier, but now also this YouTube generation, you know, and Instagram generation, they, they see they see clips on, on social media and they think this is the reality. Of course, no nobody put up like everybody put the best things. Like they see some clip for some trainings, you know, you see the Mongolians and Georgian training, and they look, you know, it looks very. But this is only a small part. You don't see everything. You don't see the, you, know, you see some fantastic throws. Now I want to do, yes, but you don't see, nobody's putting on when they're not doing the fantastic throws, not doing the good trainings. And this is, we must stay in reality. We well, that is, there, there's no context to it, is there? And, and also, like, I had the same thing uh, with some players that I speak to. And you're like, well, in some of those countries, they don't actually have any safeguarding, <laughs> so they can go no. on and like with these little young kids and launch each other on their heads, which you just—I yeah, yeah. know in Britain that you couldn't do that, and rightly so. But the the actual what they're allowed to do, whether it's right or wrong, is completely different to what we're allowed to do. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And also the 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 mentality and the like <laughs> we cannot even compare it, you know. As I say, we, we must keep calm. We must keep calm, trust our own system, and do the best from that. You know, it's you know you, you often hear like in some experience, not experienced coaches, they go bored maybe with the kids, some tournaments. They speak to somebody and they come home and say, "Oh, I talked to this one from Netherlands, and they they train twenty five hours a week." And they, <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. I know the, the, most of the best coaches in Netherlands. I, I know not exactly how they do, but I know a little bit. Uh, they, they train very well. They have a very good uh, structure, but they, they don't do like that. You know, they, somebody tell you and you think it's true and you go home and you try to adapt it and you kill your kids. <laughs> it's, it's, not, uh, it's not possible in the long way. You know, you must find a good, 
a good balance. This was also one main part in the beginning. Like it's, it's so much stress and things about the training hours, how much training hours I supposed to put in. Of course, the more you train, the better you get at some point. Of course it is like that. But you cannot forget the average, the life is still going on for the athletes. Mm. Like they have school, they have families, they have a, a job. And if I tell them, okay, you have to do five hours training every day. Okay, most of them will probably do it, but their recovery will be shit. The mm. training partners will be shit. Like everything in the end will not be good. That's why we put like a training schedule that is for, I would say for the, for the first team, maximum three hours a day, maximum, even less sometimes, you know, because I know this they can do in a good way. They can do these physical trainings, they can do these usual trainings in a good way without too much stress with the rest of the, the, the daily life. And this is also important. You cannot be so static about figures, you know, that we have to have 800 hours a year. We have to have now. Okay, we, we, we put some levels where we think that it's reasonable. This mm. they should do minimum to, to keep a, a level. If you're going to do like the judo training, the technical training, the randoris, the strength training, the conditioning training, this is what we think for cadets, for juniors, for seniors. Okay, what is minimum what it takes and what we think everybody can do and this may be somebody think it's too low but it's better to put it too low and people should feel they can reach it than you put it too high and they cannot reach it and the stress to do it and after six months they give up and quit yeah and i think also people narrow it down too much especially with when dealing with younger athletes and say for example a basic skill in judo is balancing well yeah. they're going to get balancing from playing football, from playing hockey, yeah. like the twisting yeah. and the turn. And there, there's so many associated benefits from doing other learning. It doesn't all have to be on the judo mat. No. And people forget that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, like, in Sweden, we have a good tradition in this. Maybe it's, it's a bit disappearing now. In general sports, like, like we want people to do as many sports as possible in a young age. You know? This is This is a... Okay, now it's going down in the age, you know, especially in the big sports, you know, in soccer, in the uh, ice hockey, and this they, they want them do they want them earlier mm. to push them earlier. But I think it's good if you do maybe judo, some team sport is also good to do, maybe some gymnastic, maybe some this all they benefit from it, you know. When they get up in the maybe 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, then then they make the choice, you know, what they're gonna do and and because uh, then it starts, you know, it doesn't start when you're 10. You, know? <laughs> you don't have to be a superstar when you're 12. And this I fight a lot against in Sweden and, and, and in general, because I, I don't believe in that. You know, I would say if you see to our team, uh, I would say most of them are late developments. Like they, they, they come late. It was who came as cadets. Marcus was not even in the, he was in the cadet team, but he was, he was not selected for the Youth Olympic Games, for example. We selected some other some other guys for this. But then in junior age, he started, you know, and also the other one, they started in junior age to, 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 to grow, but maybe he, okay, he was successful, but not the rest. Tommy didn't have a medal as a junior, you know? He didn't have a, a European medal or anything as a junior. This come later, also with Anna, with Joachim Dvarby, the only one who had a good result as a cadet was Robin Pacek. He was second place in the 
Youth Olympics mm. 2007 in Belgrade. Uh, but he was the only one. Then he had a rough junior years, but then he bounced back as a senior. But I suppose that's also one of those mythbuster things as well, because they look at Iliadis getting an Olympic gold medal at 17 years old and assuming that's what everybody does, like every yeah. great player, you know. And actually, I think in judo, there, there is a tendency now to see a lot more players doing much, much better at an older age, you know. Yeah, and that's yeah, a hard yeah. skill as a coach and as a manager. And I'm guessing they'll... I don't know what it's like in your country, but I'm sure in other countries where there's funding, you have to fight to keep those older players in the system, you know, to say, to justify there is a result for these guys. Yeah, this is, this is uh, for me now, this is a totally new situation also, you know. Normally, the most people, they quit about 25, <laughs> I would say. But now I'm, I'm so happy we have these guys and girls fight, still fighting, you know, they, they're 30 years old. And it's good because okay, it's good for them because they still can they can still they can still uh, deliver good results, but they also show the young generation it's possible to stay longer. Mm. Of course, I wish the system was better so they can have even better support. Hopefully, in the future it will get better. Uh, but it's it's not a it's not a sprint, you know. It's a marathon. It's a mm. marathon race. You know, you have to be you must hang in there. Especially for us, it's important because. In the young age, we cannot we, we cannot give the kids and the young athletes uh, that much training, you know, so early because most clubs don't have that experience. They don't have maybe the time for it and the, 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 the coaches for it. We have many good coaches who have a lot of motivation and good, but they maybe don't have the experience. You know, they don't have the so it takes time. It takes time. Okay, it can be frustrating when you see some countries, even Great Britain, they, they're also very successful in young ages mm. because they, they're very mature in the judo. They're very, but but uh, still they lose a lot of people. Also, you can see the Russians, they're very, very successful, but not many of them stay all the way. Mm. Some European championships, they keep, they take, I think, two years ago, they, they win every gold medal, I think, in the junior European championship. Two, two years ago, I think, something like this. The, yeah, the win was like five or six gold medals. But but still, in the end, it, it's somebody else who is the number one three years later. Mm. But it's it's hard to fight that because, you know, you, as you say, somebody see Ilyandro, for example, with Daria. She was so young, you know, she was 18 when she won the European World Championships. And, oh, you see, she's so young, we must push them earlier. And, but she's exceptional. She's mm. exceptional. She's like, she's the, she got everything right. Both the mother and her father, she got everything right. And she's a superstar. We cannot take our 12-year-old girls in Sweden and do the same because it, it's not even close. You know, we will kill them. We will kill mm. them. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to the parents. It's not fair to anybody. Instead, we must trust the process and give them time. You know, we must encourage them to, to to look in a long way it's hard with kids because they only see one day at a time of course but it's our job it's our job as coaches and uh, both national coach and club coaches to, to encourage them to stay to stay mm -hmm. in the game to, to to take the small steps and see that they can I always say to everybody like if you put the job in if you do what you're supposed to do you're always going to get rewarded you're always going to get something for it Maybe it's not an Olympic medal or world medal, but you're going to get something. Maybe for mm -hmm. somebody, a Grand Prix medal is an Olympic medal. 
if you see what they come from in the beginning, which, which possibilities they had, which development they have, or maybe just a European Cup medal can be can be a, a gold medal for European uh, Olympic medal for somebody. Mm. For sure, you're gonna get something. Of course, we cannot promise what you get. It's nobody can do. But if you put in the work, if you stay in the in the system and you try to do everything right, for sure you're gonna get something sooner or later. We can take Joachim Dwerbe, for example. He come from, he started judo quite late and come from a really, really small club in the north. In the north. Like most of the time, in the beginning of his, he, he did like bodybuilding training. You know? He did not even do judo. And then he changed club, he got a better club, but still it was like quite late in his career. And he come, he moved to Stockholm and he started training with Marcus and everybody. They started a good group and he started, you know, when he was 20, 22, 23, he took a medal in the European Cup. I mean, he won the British Open, for example, 2011 or something, I don't remember. Then a couple of years later, he was fighting for the bronze medal in the World Championships. Okay, he didn't win it, but for, for somehow to be there at that fight where he come from, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And this, this we have to see what we can do. We, we cannot compare this, of course, not to again. We cannot compare this to Teddy Riner, of course not. But but this performance, this this, it shows that it's still possible for everybody. Yeah, it's still possible if you do the job. If you're loyal, you do the job, and you will get somewhere for sure. Yeah, and going back to your point actually about. Um the Russia, not just the Russians, any other country that, that seems to have this massive, because um, it, it happens with conversations that I have all the time. You go, oh, look at how well the Russians are doing. Look how well the Georgians are doing. And there's a lot of looking out at what other countries are doing, but they're only looking at the people who stood on that metal rostrum. They're not actually looking at the hundreds, the thousands of people that actually have fallen down because of the, the system so hard. And actually there's no involvement in judo. There's no longevity in it for them. And that as a coach you and a, as a organization, you have to be, pretty ruthless <laughs> don't you yeah you must be like you, you as i try you, you you try to take the best pieces you can see like what they're doing what they're doing what they're not doing and put something together but in the end you must adapt to what you have and how to how to how to work with it because as you say when you go to japan you see you can go to an average university in japan they have 100 players in the tatami okay some of them are super good but some of them they will never leave that tatami like they will never go anywhere when they finish school, they, they finish, they, they, they disappear. This nobody talks about. Of course, they, they lose for one player, they lose maybe 80 players. I don't know. We cannot do that. We cannot bring 100 players and lose 80 of them. If you bring 100 players, we have to keep as many as possible. We're doing the same way. Yeah. Yeah, we must. And this is a totally different mentality. And we, we, we cannot work in the same way. And we don't have the same traditions, you know. We can compare in Sweden, okay, if you start, if you live in the north of Sweden, uh, you have a good uh, interest in sport, you, you put your kids in skiing. You know, if you, they come in a good club, they, they, they will get a good tradition. They will, they will get good, for sure, you know, because there's a good system, there's a good traditions for this. The same in Georgia, if you have a good kid, you put them in judo, the, the, the probability they're going to be good is it's quite high because the traditions is so strong. Mm. We cannot compare to that, you know. We cannot. We cannot uh, do in the same way. No, no. 
and and it, it takes a lot of um, I don't know how to say it in, like it, it takes a lot of courage to to realize that and not to do the same way. Because I say we're always looking what they do, what they do, what they do. In Germany, they do this. In Germany, that blah blah blah. And yeah, it's good. But in the end, when it comes down to business, we must have our own system. We must have our own, uh, and people must follow it. We must we must get people to to believe in it and to work together. This this is uh, so important for everybody, yeah. of course. But because I was going to ask you about that, your own system, and it it must be. <sighs> It must be really difficult because it's it's really difficult even to compare yourself to the French or the Germans because culturally there's so many differences the the funding so many different the participation levels are so so different but I'm guessing at some point when you have to go and ask somebody for some money they'll go uh, there because they don't have any knowledge of judo they will then start looking out and say well how do you compare to France so obviously you can't compare yourself to Germany or Russia. How, how do you find, you say, well, no, actually, this is Sweden. <laughs> you know, this, this is what we need to do. Yeah, that's also a process, you know. I think you, you, what you try to, what I try to do is I try to bring as much in, information as I think is relevant. Hmm. Yeah, not so much what, the, what, what each nation are doing, more like what athletes in some kind of level how how they look like how, not how they look but how the judo look like what kind of judo you need to learn you know? what what do you have to do and also with the rules like how you're going to adapt to the rules like this is this is the man the demands for example so you, you must be able to do this kind of kumikata we must be able to to um, manage these techniques in offensive way or defensive way or whatever it is and from this we try to break it down you know when you're here in top level and a senior in the Olympic team, okay, these these skills you need to have. And how do we break it down until you are uh, 15 years old? And what we're gonna train in which period and so on. And when I presented that in that kind of way with this uh, plan, I think they they uh, they think it looked good and they they, they adapted. They liked it and, and um, as I say, I, I also don't I don't try to. I try to keep it as real as possible. Like I don't, I don't want to. It's easy to say, as I said before. Like it's easy to say, oh, they train one thousand hours in Japan. They train one thousand hours a year. We must do the same. Like I never said it that way. I said, is mm. this maybe the difference? I say Japan. It can look like this. A week in Japan can look like this because it's different. Of course, it's always different. Or in Netherlands or whatever. This, this is like a, what can be a basic week. And I presented some different uh, scenarios. I said, okay, from this, we can take this. This we can adapt to Swedish way. And we focus on these main points because we think this is important. But in our case, Sweden is, Sweden is very known like for this very good structure, it's very good function. Like everything in Sweden is it's working quite well if you compare it to many other countries. You know, it's, it's, people are in time, everything is, you know, we are, we are quite... Uh, I would say, uh, well-behaved people. <laughs> no, but it, 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 everybody are. But it is like, yeah. But we, we are used to follow something, you know. Mm. So so if you present something that people can follow, many many will do it. And and um, so for example, for me, I, I I think it was possible. Okay, we, we need a good planning. 
what can what can I bring to athletes that maybe some other countries can't do? Okay, I can present for them a good planning when they're gonna compete, where they're gonna compete, and how we're gonna prepare for it. This we can present in a good way in a in a in a in a early stage. Like for example, you know, this uh, first six months you have this 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 is competitions and this this tournaments. You prepare in this way, and I give you a training schedule for this. So they know what to do and why why they're gonna do it. Um, this is this is like the the first basic step. Of course, this is for everybody, but but uh, this we can do in a good way, and we can also do it uh, together with the whole team. Like we can give them a similar planning and so on. And I can make sure like there is no problems, you know, like. If you're going to Paris in February, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Here's my flight ticket. Here's what I'm going to do. Like, like I don't want them to be stressed to think about anything else than the preparation and, and the, the competition. You know? mm. And this we have a good system for. And, and this is, I think if you can take this away from the athlete, they can put more focus on what's important for them. You know? This is number, this is basic. This is very basic. Then I believe, with the, for example, with the planning, of course, everybody has a planning, uh, more or less, and uh, this change during the years. When they were younger, we had like a more, uh, let's say, a group planning. Yeah. We still have, of course, for the competitions. But I try to keep the team together as much as possible. I don't like when you, when you get, uh, you go there, you go there, you go there, and you do this by yourself or with this one or this one. This is not good for the team, I think. You know, we are a small team. We need each other. We have to support each other. And also, in the beginning, it was important for me to see if we have the same similar program. Of course, when they're younger, they can do more or less the same training, more or less. Of course, mm -hmm. we did some adaptions, but they can do more or less the same. Um, and we start to have success, and everybody think, okay, I'm doing the same. I have more or less the same planning as he or she has, and they succeed. I can also do it. We can build a confidence around this, around this planning, around this structure, around this function. And together we can move forward as a team. And this I think still is important, you know, because okay, now they're older, it's different because they have somebody gets injured there, somebody's here and there. But still, I try to as much as we can, I try to keep it together. I don't like to send somebody here and there, because and also now we have maybe also be a bit smart with the if somebody is good in qualification, for example, maybe they don't have to fight as much as maybe somebody is chasing. This is, of course, clear, but yeah, I try to have them together in the same training camps and the same to, to work together. And for example, in 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 my case, when I was at it was not the case. You know, you never know where you're gonna go, when you're gonna get the planning, where you're gonna get, and this was not uh, nothing clear. Then, if you can present this in a good way for everybody. And they, they know what they're going to do and why and what they can expect of me and what they what I can expect from them. Like they can expect from me that they will have the, the planning, the trainings, the competitions. They have the support to go there. They, they have uh, everything is cleared for them. Mm. This they know. For me, they will always get this without any problems. Like there is not they're going to wake up the day as the flight is and they don't have a flight ticket or, they're gonna go and don't know where to stay. So they, this this should never happen, you know. Uh, on the other side, I I can expect from them that when they come to every tournament, they are ready to fight. They are ready for the competition. They are ready to give the best. And it's not always they can do the best, but they are ready to do it at least. Mm. And with this, 
with this trust from between each other, we, we have a good harmony. We, we create a good harmony and not so many conflicts. You know, we, we very, very rarely don't have conflicts in the, in the team or in, in, the, in general, I would say in Swedish judo, there's not much conflicts you know, with the clubs. We, of course, there's always somebody who want to do their own way. Of course, this is, but, but and for me, I'm not a stranger to do the own way. Like I don't, for example, if the first team is different because we work so much together, this is my responsibility because it's not the club coach who gets fired if you don't do results, it's me, you know? And, and yeah. that's why we have to work together in a good way. And if you have to choose, I'm, I'm the one who has to make the choice which way we're going to go because it's my job. But um, in other ways, like it's not super important with the details always, you know, if you're going to do five sets of Uchikomis or three sets, or you're going to do five sets bench press or 10, this is not always the main part. The main part is that the target is the same. And the, what do you say, the, the, the way is, is in the right way. Like this period we do this, this period we do this, this we have to agree on. And exactly what we do in detail, this, this is not always the main important thing. Of course, if I tell some athletes, this period you're gonna do the conditioning training and they go and do strength training instead, and they come to the training camp and they have no conditioning, then we have a problem. Yeah. Of course, then, then the trust is not working. But if, if they, they do the conditioning training, but maybe they wanna do it some other way and it works, it's fine. It's fine, you know, this, this, this is not the, the big problem. So with that, the goal is the goals have to be aligned, but sometimes the journey, the way to that goal can slightly differ, but everybody's on task. Slightly different, yeah, but we must have the same goal. Of course, this, this is clear for everybody, but, but sometimes I think maybe sometimes also coaches try to be nice. You know, they, they want the best for the athlete and they really try to make it so individual. Like they are isolating them mm. from the, the world almost i would say not from the world but, but sometimes from you, their team yeah they're always stronger as a team you know that even if that is a club team or national team whatever it is because this is different of course we cannot do this is what i see our benefit we are a small team we can work these things together and it's it's not big things we have to move like we don't have like i don't have to have contact with 10 people to make us do the same planning of course, in Japan or Russia or in France, there's so much other people involved around. So everything takes more time, more energy. And sometimes it's not always it's better to be many. Not yeah. always, you know, because this also gives a lot of more. The more people there is, the more risk there is for conflicts. And as soon as you start to have conflicts about some athletes' interests, it's dangerous. And this I see all the time with, with colleagues from other countries. We talk, and everybody has problem, different ways of problem. But there is, I would not say there is one federation. There is no problem. Of course not. Definitely everybody not. has their own problems. Yeah, and we all have to fight them. Of course, I also have the problems I have to fight against. But but uh, if you can just keep it together with a team and, and uh, stay on the line, as I said before, something will happen. Something will happen. Okay, we can never promise what, but something will for sure happen. And one thing I'm really interested in, actually, how do you develop your yourself within your... Because we always talk about how do we develop the players and that, but actually I'm quite interested in how do you... 
how do you develop your your craft as in your mat side coaching your stuff like that but just generally what do you look for to because it it's very easy when it comes to coaching to sort of forget that actually we're still on a journey of learning yeah. ourselves it's so easy as a coach to forget about yourself mm. because you always put yourself in the back especially me because i'm quite happy to be in the background <laughs> Mm. I, I'm not the person who, who likes to stand in the front. Like I, I'm not, I don't have that uh, uh, eager to, to be like, it's not about me. It's, it's, for me, it's, first of all, it's always about the athletes. It's always been, it's always, everything I do is about the athletes. It's always the best for them, what they can do. And of course, if I can be a better coach or a better person, they, they will be better. But it's that said, it's it's very very hard. And periods in my life, I'm being very bad at that. This, you know, you put yourself aside all the time, and you you work maybe too much sometimes. It's very easy in this job. Like you stay, it's not seven to four. Mm. Like you don't have, you never stop. You know, you never stop. There's always a new competition. It's always a new training camp. It's always something new. And the athletes, they and the, the things happen to them all the time. You know. You can somebody get injured somebody get this and this and this this doesn't happen between office hours you know this this happens when it happens and then you need they need to support and this is fine for me but but sometimes you need to stop and react uh, and reflect and and i think when i get older it's easier it's easier you know you get more experienced you know what is important and and what to focus on uh when i was younger for me education I did not believe much in education. I did some education, like general sport education in school, and mm. went to some schools after, and I did some in general sport. And then this uh, opportunity to come to start studying about university with the EU had a course, training course, trainer course. Uh, in the beginning, I was quite uh, against it. I would not say not against it, but I was not that open-minded. Maybe I, I think yeah, I know everything. I don't have to go there. But somehow this years was was good. Not even not only the, like the lectures you had. Okay, some was very good. Some was not not so good. But but to 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 speak with other coaches from judo from other sports and to to understand uh, like um, why we do the things we do. Why do we do chikome? These intervals we do. Why we do this? Like chikome is because judo is so traditional based. You do as you always done. You know? Like you go to training, you do the warming up, you do some movements. You don't even know why you do that. Why are you doing these movements? We don't know. We just do that, and we do okay. Now we do three uchikome, one naikome. Like why? Why we do it? <laughs> yeah. And this you start to ask uh, ask yourself. Uh, say, okay, why we do it? Then it comes back to what do we want? What do we want in the end? Like this we want. Okay, how do we train for that? So I learned a lot there, you know, I get to, to go with some really nice people, experienced people I can take inspiration from. And then um, I would say like uh, all these educations we have with the Olympic committee, like with the other sports, like other coaches from other sports is very, very, very useful for me. Like you get, um, like many sports, they are the same. Everything is more or less the same, but it's different approaches to things. And this is, I think you have to look a lot outside judo also, you know, how to find uh, different ways of thinking, where 
what we can do different and so on. This, this is important. Um, and also something that's been good for me lately, the last years, is when I start to educate more to other people. Like I started a little bit more with education with other coaches. I also do uh, some um, lectures with other sports, like how to build build the system and how to build a successful organization within bring about. And this is also developing because then you have to think more. Again, why are we doing it? Then you have to think because if somebody asking you in the lecture, why why you do that? You have to be able to answer them in a good yeah. way. So you have to think. You have to think. Uh, more and more again, you know. So, so this is what I try to do to, to stay, and then I try to stay updated. Of course, what happens in everything, because as everybody knows, tra training is uh, fashion. You know, changes a lot. You know, one day you're gonna do Pilates, next day you're gonna do CrossFit, the third day you're gonna do a, a triathlon, and you know, this changes all the time. The society is changing, and this also impacts athletes. So here you have to be like you have to follow everything, but to be able to take what's best mm. and argue why you should not do some things because it's not good as you as a judo player. Maybe maybe it's good for the average Joe to do these things, but as you as a high performance judo athlete, this is not the best way. Maybe you could do this, but maybe not this because this will maybe not be developing you in the. Because this, I think, is also that many people don't see the difference, you know, what, what we do. With high performance judo is what it is. It's high performance judo. You do it because you want to reach something. You only Every training you do, more or less, you do because you want to reach something. You want to improve something that in the end you'll be able to do something in competition. But many people maybe uh, relate to training like for average people. Like for you and me, but when we go and do some training, we do it because we want to feel good or we want to lose weight or we want to get more muscle, whatever it is. But this is not the same. This is not the same at all, you know? And we cannot relate to it in the same way. Then it's easy to say, okay, but now we're going to do this. I see this training is very good. And yes, maybe this one time, but if you do this 10 times, 20 times, there will be no development. You will not get better. Maybe it's fun. Sometimes you can do something because it's fun. Of course, you need to do. You should not always do. Sometimes I take some trainings. We do some uh, CrossFit. We do some other things. Yeah, of course, it's fun. We can we can challenge each other in a different way. Of course, you have to. But this is totally different. It's not. You must uh, understand that different two different processes. This also happens because you know. Also, I think it's very common also in many other countries. Like the parents have a good influence, of course, of the kids. And especially if you're from a smaller club where you don't have many coaches, the parents get the coach. They will become the coach of the athlete without no experience of judo. Because if you look at judo, it looks very easy sometimes, you know. If you've never done it, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not easy to understand, you know. And this, this is very, this I think is the, one of the biggest dangers to, to, to the sport, you know, that, that yeah. we, we let people we're not educated to take too much space. Yeah, and that's actually a huge problem within sport. Like, uh, 
So where, when I'd done um, my master's degree, actually in uh, coaching, uh, I'd done a lot on talent ID and long-term athlete development and stuff. And no matter how good a system is, no matter how much you can start trying to put in a program, people forget one of the biggest influences is parents and home life. Like, so it doesn't actually, yeah. re- it doesn't really matter too much when the kids are developing what really happens as long as they're healthy and enjoy the sport if the parents and the home life aren't right the chance of them moving on to be successful is very very challenging very very limited and with that said like we have for example we have an international team we have a marcus mother was successful she was a world medalist Uh, the father of uh, martin and robin pacek he was a good wrestling wrestler from poland um Tommy, of course, his father is also was his mom was uh, a good judo player in Sweden. And so they come from a, but for them, it was never a conflict, you know, mm-hmm. because they trusted me. They, they gave me the responsibility. We had a very good communication and they did what they could at home, what they should do. Like they support them when they were young, they give them everything, uh, they take them to trainings, they supported them in a good way. But when they got older, they got in the national team, they, they did not uh, interrupt in the process. You know, they, they, they gave it to me. And if we, there was something, we discussed about it and we did it in the same way. But uh, sometimes it happens a lot. You know, they come young players, the parents are the coaches, and they, they think yes, they, their kid is the next superstar. And uh, we try to explain to them how we do and what we want to do. And, it's every time it happens it breaks my heart a little bit because I, I can tell you I've seen I've seen so many young athletes disappear because of this and we don't have so many mm-hmm. but still it happens you know they come very young they think they know everything they do everything wrong and they don't want to listen because they think they, they have the solution and even if you try even today with my experience whatever I've done people can sometimes have hard to, to trust what I'm saying they still want to do it their own way. I think that's and it's a, just too bad for the athlete, you know. It's just too bad for the athlete because, in the end, it's 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 their dreams who will disappear. You know, it's so sad every time it happens. Yeah, and I like what you said, then. So I re- it really resonates, and I think any coach listens to this. When you say it breaks my heart as a coach it really like it does affect you when you see that you can see somebody that potentially yeah. could be quite good but it, it's never going to be for them for reasons that you can't control and and as a coach you've then got to go oh, there's no, nothing more i can do about this this i just have to let this go no you cannot do it okay so we, you can you can put the facts on the table you can show them this is what we want to do this is how we do it why uh, both for the athlete at the, and the coach or if this case if there is a parent but but um, if they stay and they get older okay then you can you can uh, focus more on the athlete mm. of course when they when they get older they get if they stay longer you can take you can focus on the athletes and in the end you can um, uh, you can work only with them then you don't have to care about uh, but in that young age yeah, if you've done everything you can and they still don't, then then it's uh, like as I said, I never close the door. I never close the door to anybody. The door is open, but if they want to do it their own way, 
at least not when I follow the way of the, the federation or the team. Um, yeah, then they have to prove themselves right, you know, by, by, yeah. by putting in the end the results. Because normally in the cadet years, we don't focus on results. Like we have no, no, uh, we are very, very limited uh, demands on the results, what they have to do to be in the team. Like we, we, we select a quite big group. I would say everybody that has some kind of experience as a cadet, they will, they will get the chance. They will come to national training camps for cadets and juniors and they will, and they will take, they will be able to take part of what we can offer them, like the education, the help with the program and everything. And um, then we support them all the way up to the juniors. And then of course, in the late juniors, we have to make a little bit harder selections, of course, because mm. we cannot uh, support everybody. This is not possible, but, but, but up till that stage, we don't focus on result at all. Like we focus on uh, the effort that they do the training. We, we put them in a, in a web-based training system that they have to they put in the trainings. We put, a we put everything there for them, the planning, the everything. And, the, the, and then it's up to them to use it, of course, and to, to register it so we can see that there is uh, effort and that they come to the training camps and they, they show, uh, show the interest and everything that, and that, that they are pro processing. If they still do, we keep them. We can keep them for, there's like, there's no limit. Mm. But um, if they don't want to do that, they only want to do their own thing, they want to do their own trainings, okay, then, 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 then we have to put something they have to reach because otherwise it's, uh, it's not possible. You know? we, we need to. We only have limited have funds as in well. The end, we need, in the end, we need some results because also, if we're going to have the fundings, we have to present what we are doing and why we are doing it. And we say, okay, this group, they don't want to do it, but they want the fundings. Then they're going to say to me, why are you going to give them the fundings? Mm. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Yeah. But as I said, this is very, very limited. Uh, uh, this is, okay, this happened in young ages that young athletes come and they disappear. But the most, I would say, we have a very good uh, relation with. We, we work uh, Sweden in general. I would say we have a... a great atmosphere which i'm very thankful for yeah now i'm cautious of the time actually because you, you've given me a lot of your time before we go olympic games where do you think you guys are going to finish up where would you be happy oh my god this is the yeah. 10 million dollar questions everybody wants from me now <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I am happy as long as we go there and they do as good as they can, of course. And if they do as good as they can, uh, it's not many competitions we don't leave without fighting for a medal. Mm. Of course, they are experienced, they've been around for a long time and, and uh, the medal is what we want. Everybody wants the medal, of course. And I would be happy if we, if we make it, but I will not die if we don't make it. Yeah. But... but um, we prepare for a medal, of course, and we have uh, we have four right now. We have four athletes qualified, and three of them are top ten in the world. So, of course, th there is a chance for them to fight for a medal. But then, you know, it's, it's the Olympic Games. Every, yeah. Everybody is there. It's judo. Everybody is strong. Everybody is well prepared. And this we, two of them, uh, Marcus and Robin, has done one Olympics. Marcus done two Olympics. He know what it takes. I know. I know how he. Both of them will handle it, like the mental, uh, everything. I know that they are. Tommy and Anna has not done the Olympics before. And to, to say before how they're going to adapt to it is hard to say. You know, 
some of them, some athletes get uh, higher and some, they, they see, you can see all the time, you know, some outperform themselves and some don't do it. But um, I hope the experience can help them to stay calm. Because in the end, when it comes down, when it comes down to business in the Olympics, it's, it's for most of the players, it's the one who can stay most calm, I think, who go all the way. Yeah. Because everybody's prepared, everybody's so skilled and, and uh, with a few, of course, with a few exceptions, maybe, but it's so many you can fight for a medal. This is this is crazy, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Robert, I really, really appreciate your time, and I do wish you guys the very best of luck. I will be watching, and uh, yeah, thanks Thank a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So a massive thank you to Robert for that interview. It, it's one of those I I never know how long these interviews will go on for and we just uh, for me it was just a really interesting discussion around judo and specifically Sweden um, and his involvement of philosophy around judo so it, it went on slightly longer than some of our other podcasts but I've always said to you guys the length of the podcast for me will change it's just if I think the conversation's good enough and you know we're talking yeah, I, I really want it to continue and I hope that you guys gain some value from that and just really interesting to see how how they operate, yeah, and the belief in the team and the philosophy around it. So a massive, massive thank you again to Robert for that and I hope you guys enjoyed it. So uh, I've been doing a few questions at the end of most podcasts now I will address a couple but obviously I am cautious that we're nearly an hour and a half into it and you're most probably sick of hearing my voice so uh, just a couple from these are from Instagram um, Robert has asked these so he's asked first one tips for encouraging parent involvement if they're not from a judo background um, I guess what for me is what involvement do you want? Um, that's the question you've got to start with. Like, for example, I couldn't operate the club, my club, as a committee. I, it just wouldn't work for the way the judo club is. Uh, I wouldn't want parents involved in really important decisions like that. Whereas I know many judo clubs are set up in that way. Um, what do you actually want? I mean, there's certain things in class that we do. So, for example, if I want the parents to encourage certain behaviours like respect, hard work, things like that to their children, then at the end of sessions, I'd have a little speech, not a speech, like get up on my soapbox, but I'd have a, a talk and the talks to the children, but it's actually aimed at the parents. So giving across information key key information and that's one of the hardest things since opening from covid actually is the parents aren't allowed in the dojo because we we have to have a balance of filling the mat and you know we want as many kids doing judo as we can and we've only got a limited size so that means parents can't come in so actually there's lots of information that the parents aren't getting um which normally they would so yeah, so I guess that's part of it. Um, there's certain things as well, like certain, when you start working with children that are starting to get heavily into competitions and stuff like that, and parents will start developing their own mindset on what should be done. 
uh, one thing that I would always do is just set up a like a educational meeting that sounds really pompous but like um, I, I would set up a, a meeting for kids to teach them about nutrition but the parents would be invited or to talk about long-term athlete development or whatever aspect of strength and condition whatever it is I'd invite the children but the the adults would asked to be in the in the meeting as well so part of that would just be to educate them and understand my philosophy on what I'm what the direction is where where I want everybody to go with it so yeah that's for me that's I guess the involvement and some parents just don't have the time you've got to respect that as well some parents are just too busy with life and they drop their child off to judo because they need that hour to go to Sainsbury's or wherever you know what I mean so I think it really depends on what you want them for if it's to wash up your dishes then I don't yeah I don't have any help for that I don't I don't know but I guess it just comes down to what what do you want from them in terms of that that encouraging them to be more involved uh so yeah so i hope that answers your question there and also you've got best kids at our club the ones who engage the most with coaches and watch the sessions um i'm not sure on on the question there i'm i think what you mean is the kids that generally push on and do slightly better are the ones that are generally watching a bit more and they sort of ask questions as coaches, I guess. Um, and why do others not? I think that's what you're asking. And if that's the case, uh, I, I would just consider why are they more involved? You know, why are they more engaged with coaches? It, and what? look at the reasons. Like Some kids do judo just because their parents make them or just because... it everybody will have their own level of involvement in judo and it might be the fact that you just need to have a conversation with the kids and say you know what do you enjoy about judo what do you not enjoy about judo and try and understand um their their uh, involvement their reality their reason their why of why they want to do judo and then you know that sort of understanding could then help you uh, engage with them a little bit better and then push on from there i guess uh, but I'm sorry about that. I, yeah, I don't really understand that question, but I, hopefully I've sort of addressed that. Uh, but yeah, no, thanks. Uh, I, re I really enjoyed this podcast. Next week, I'm talking to Natalie Powell. Um, she's obviously getting prepared for the Olympic Games. Really great interview. Uh, there was a few problems in the recording, but Natalie was really patient. We got there. And I think you guys are all love that podcast too. Um, don't forget with questions stuff like that you can send them via an email you can send them social media if you want me to answer any questions but also let me know what you thought of this podcast I, I really enjoyed it you know selfishly it's one of those things like when I'm listening to these podcasts I am doing it because I really enjoy it it's it, it's really nice to talk about judo and geek out a little bit uh, for me and uh, how do you guys find it do you, are you enjoying these uh, just send me a message on yeah on social media via email vince at vincegilcorn.co.uk but I look forward to hearing from you guys have a great week and I'll speak to you all next week you don't talk talk you don't talk